everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Several days ago, I was in a meeting with a young lady who helps me with some of my books, and she challenged me to read Fifty Shades of Grey. I said, you know, I feel uncomfortable about reading the book because basically I said it's pornography. She said, well, just read it because if the media calls or someone else asks a question or whatever, you need to be able to explain the storyline and you need to know what happened. So I set out to read this 514 page book. I skipped over the erotic parts, and I read the entire book in 45 minutes. (laughs) I did. It's easy to explain the storyline. The main character is a gentleman named Christian Gray a 27-year-old billionaire. For a book that women really like, it has to start out with a ruggedly handsome 27-year-old billionaire. (laughs) Christian Gray, though, has some serious issues. He was abused. He basically is a sexual predator. He finds a 21-year-old college student, Anastasia Steele. She's a virgin. They connect, and it glorifies sadomasochism, bondage, and the whole dominant and submission perversion. Basically, it normalizes perversion. It's a book that uses metaphors and cliches and eroticism and art to camouflage what it is, domestic violence. It was so ironic as I watched the Super Bowl with many of you. You had the quintessential NFL advertisement commercial with the players and their wives shedding tears and talking about the horrors of domestic violence, which I think we would all agree with. Yet, also commercials ran advertising Fifty Shades of Grey, a book that puts domestic violence in the mainstream. Isn't that odd? Isn't that so, so sad, so, so tragic? An excerpt from the book that I lifted from its pages. Here is Christian Gray visiting Anna. You got to realize that He is in complete control of her. He's bought her all of these things. He is 
commanded her that she can only wear certain clothes, she has to work out a certain weight, eat a certain diet. As I read this book, I left it with a low-grade depression because Lisa and I have twins, twin daughters who are about the age of Anna. And to think about a predator like Christian Gray on the loose going after young women is sickening. So here's an excerpt from Christian's visit to Anna's apartment after an argument. No, I protest, trying to kick him off. He stops. If you struggle, I'll tie your feet too. If you make noise, Anastasia, I'll gag you. Keep quiet. Catherine is probably outside listening right now. Sounds like rape to me. What's normal is abnormal. What's abnormal is normal. Fifty Shades of Grey. We know, though, that God is not gray when it comes to life, don't we? We know God is not gray when it comes to power, money, and sex. We know God is not gray when it comes to marriage, when it comes to friendship. Yet, I've been watching some of the talk shows as these actors and actresses from Fifty Shades have have made the circuit, and it's hilarious to watch the media drool over them. Oh, you're such artists. How did you get into character? That's so brilliant. Brilliant? It's brilliantly sick. It's brilliantly perverted. It's brilliantly domestic violence. That's what the enemy does. The enemy, he he inches us. He, he, He moves us closer and closer. And, and at first we kind of laugh at it. Then we say, you know, it's no big deal. Then we say, okay, let me go ahead and absorb it. And then it becomes just sort of a common thing. It, it, it becomes normalized. So after reading the book and after thinking about Christian Gray and Anastasia Steele, I thought to myself, what would Jesus say to them? I mean, what what would he say? Hypothetically, what would the Son of God say to, let's say, for example, Christian Gray? I think one of the things he would say is, he would say, turn to me. I believe Jesus would say, turn to me. Christian, he would say, you've got a brilliant mind, you're a billionaire. Self-made, the book says. Ruggedly handsome. Man, you've got all this money. You've got the power. You control your life. You control companies. You control relationships. And and, and you control all of these things. You've got money. You've got power. And, and, and of course, sex. You've got sex. And sex is God's gift. Yet, Whenever we have a gift, the enemy always gives us a counterfeit, doesn't he? 
Look at it throughout life. God gives us a gift. The enemy brings a counterfeit. So I think Jesus would say, turn to me. Turn to me. Because you're going down the same path that another guy went down that I talked about in my Bible, in, in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, Jesus told the story. I love the story of the prodigal son. It's the first trustafarian ever. Trust fund, baby. He, he comes to his dad. He goes, dad, give me everything. I want the whole deal, the whole enchilada, man. I want it. I'm old enough. I'm big enough. I'm bad enough. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And the father goes, okay. I'm sure Jesus would tell Christian Gray this story. And this guy went out and he, he used his, his money, power, and sex, PMS, right? Money, power, and sex. That's what he used. And he did it his way. And, and, and then the Bible says that he found himself, this, this guy, so wealthy, the prodigal son, found himself in a pigsty fighting hogs over scraps. Jesus would look at Christian and say, hey, Christian, you know, you matter to me. I don't want to see you in a pigsty. But the end game is the pigsty. It was the pigsty for the prodigal. It's going to be the pigsty for you. And Anna, I would tell you the same thing. Money, sex, and power in and of themselves, they're, they're fine. Money, wow, money is, is not evil. Money can be great. It can be evil. We can see some of the phenomenal things money has done right here at Fellowship Church, can't we? Ten campuses. We think about our beautiful camp on 1,100 acres. All this technology, what we're doing in Nicaragua, in Guatemala, how we're helping families and what we're doing just from a leadership perspective. You realize Wednesday night, we'll have about 4,000 leaders from all over the world packed into this place. Money, it takes money. And because of our generosity, money is awesome. Power, your power's, power's great. I think Jesus would say to a Christian, you want power? Invite me into your life. Make me the center of your life. That's power. The Bible says we'll receive power. The word power in the book of Acts is the word we get from dynamite. We'll have power when the Holy Spirit comes inside of our lives. So power's not bad. God wants to use it for greatness. And of course, sex. Sex is made for the marriage bed. The Bible says that from cover to cover. Sex is a good thing. And what's so interesting about about Fifty Shades of Grey, oh, you mean women have a libido too? Wow, women have a sex drive? I didn't know that. Let me go ahead and thank the author, E.L. James, for letting us in on that. Wow. Christian, turn to me. Turn to me before the pigsty, because here's what happened to the prodigal. I mean, he, he lost it all. Then he came to his senses, specifically in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. When he came to his senses, Christian, live up to your name, Jesus would say. Christian, 
Come to your senses. Christian, give me your life. When you give up control, you'll gain control. When you give up power, I'll give you power. When you give up the intimacy that you're craving, I'll give you real intimacy. You know, E.L. James wrote this book. She sold squillions and she's made squillions. I just made that up, squillions. I like it. It's a lot of money. Do you know what this book is about, though? Take a step back. This book is about this author unknowingly writing about characters who are searching for God. They're searching for God. And sadly, for many people, the closest they'll ever get to God is through sexual intercourse. Put on your thinking hat. When you have sex, you're one with the other. We desire this oneness, this oneness, and, and, and we desire it with God. When we have this relationship with God, he comes into our lives. We have a hole in our soul, and we try to fill this hole with money and sex and power and power, money and sex, and it, it gives us a fast temporary relief from the aches and pains of life, but it doesn't, doesn't satisfy. And what's so ironic is, in our search for freedom away from God, the things we chase end up incarcerating us. They end up limiting us. So the deepest intimacy many people will ever have is in the act of sex, and it starts with God. God, though, is the author of sex, and he says, do sex my way, Christian. Here's, here's still another excerpt, and, and only in a book that's directed toward women do you have some of these things, because women, that, that maternal instinct, women can say, and they say to themselves a lot, oh, I can change him. I can convert this pervert. Even though I'm in this crazy relationship, even though he's stalking me and abusing me and controlling me, I can change him. He's such a complicated person. And now I have an insight as to why a young man deprived of his adolescence, sexually abused by some evil Mrs. Robinson figure. No wonder he's old before his time. My heart fills with sadness at the thought of what he must have been through. Granted, Jesus would look at Christian and say, Christian, I'm sorry. I know you're hurt. You, though, are going to have to take responsibility for your life. Nowhere in the book. Does he say, yeah, my bad, my fault, I messed up, I sinned. We've forgotten about repentance. We have to repent to do a 180, and Jesus would get in Christian Gray's grill and say, you've got to turn from your evil ways. You're committing cosmic treason before God. I know you have a tough life. I know it's been difficult. I know you've been adopted. I know this woman took advantage of you, but 
you've got to take responsibility. In our world today, oh, we love to play the victim, don't we? So popular. From our house all the way to the White House. Their fault. No, it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. We're going to step up and take responsibility and turn from it. Christian needs to come to his senses before the pigsty. And, and, and let me talk to you. Anybody in the pigsty here? Anybody in the pigsty in London or Miami? In the Dallas area, Fort Worth area? Anybody in the pigsty? Here's the good news. You can come to your senses. The prodigal did. He returned back and the father forgave him, clothed him, and threw a party for him. So do a permanent wave to the pigsty, right? Do a permanent wave. But it's time to turn before the pigsty because away from God, the Bible says, you know what? There's a way that seems right, but it only leads to death. The Bible says that in Proverbs 14, 12. So this way seems right. See, perversion has an element of truth in it. If, if it did not have an element of truth, we wouldn't get involved in it. But man, study history. Man left to his own devices will always self-destruct. Always. So this perversion, I think, needs a conversion. I think Jesus would say, Christian, turn to me. I think also he would say this. The devil pays in counterfeit money. The other day, I was traveling, and I had several hundred dollars with me. Like, I had $300 in cash. Took $100 out to pay for something, and immediately the lady, bing, held it up to the light. That, that light separates the real deal from counterfeit. And the same is true when we hold our lives up and our relationships up and our power up and our money up and our sex up to the God of the universe, the light of the world. Is it real or counterfeit? The devil, though, pays in counterfeit money. Ladies, the rave, you know, counterfeit bags, the Gucci, the Louis Vuitton, or the Prada, or whatever. They're big, man. People love them. It's hard to tell. Is that real or fake? I'm not sure. Oh, girl, that's fake. Oh, I see. That's fake. That's fake. That's fake. We should handle the real so much. We should hang out with the right they so much and do the right thing so much when something counterfeit comes our way, when the temptation comes our way. Whoa, ho, hey, that's counterfeit. The devil pays in counterfeit money. Several years ago, a porn star sat right there. And I sat right there with several people. And I had an opportunity to hear this girl's story and I talked to her. Here's this girl who's done all the stuff mentioned and more in Fifty Shades of Grey. Here's a young woman who's made all this money, not only in film, but also being a high-priced call girl. Yet, of all the people I've met, one of the emptiest 
human beings I've ever talked to in my life. And after talking to her about PMS, power, money, and sex, when she walked out of the church, she turned to her agent, porn star, boyfriend, and said, what if he's right? Hopefully she's still alive today. Hopefully she read some of the books that we gave her from our resource center. The devil pays in counterfeit money in her early 20s. Look at her eyes. Listen to her talk. The devil pays in counterfeit money. So I believe Jesus would say to Christian, turn to me. He would have his nail-pierced hands out. Turn to me. Come to me. I want to forgive you and cleanse you and change your life. I believe he would say, I'm sorry. I think also he would say this, Christian, stop looking for the mortal to do only what the immortal can. Throughout the book, you, you, you feel the angst, the tension where Christian and Anna, they're, they're trying to put on a human relationship the pressure that only God can fulfill. I love my wife. We've been married for 33 years. But there are things only God can do in my life. And many times I can mess up when I put divine pressure on a human relationship. And in this realm, in this book, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's so sad. It's so tragic. Christian, Turn to me. Look to me. I'll show you what life is all about. You know, I had the opportunity Wednesday night to speak to our students. You know, we have thousands of students who gather together. Just students. Wednesday night. Wow, I would have killed for that opportunity when I was that age. I mean, that many students? That's ridiculous. And I get nervous, especially when I talk to students. And I talk to them about 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And I've been reading this, and I've talked about it in, in my book a lot. It's 2 Corinthians 6, 14, a very unpopular verse to singles, and, and, and especially for the young people. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What this means is our best friends, the right they, have to be people who have the common denominator of Jesus. That's what it means. Those we date and those who become our mate, we must have the common denominator. We all have a lot of friends who are not necessarily followers of Christ. I do. You should too. But those we have fellowship with, those we are close to, We've got to be yoked together. Yoke was a piece of farm equipment. It had two holes on it, a wooden structure, and you would put animals of equal kind and equal strength in this, this little device so you could plow a straight line. When we're equally yoked, that's what happens. Now, as a believer... Most of us, just using our common sense, would have come to this conclusion without this text. 
without 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. But it's in the Bible, and God has our best interest in mind. This is not like a, like a, like a rally killer here. No, it is, it is God's genius. And here's what I talked to the students about. Here's, here's the sermon in about a minute. I talked about faith. You've got to have the right they in your life, those people you're close to, where you have fellowship with, the people you date, the people who become your mate, they have to have made a faith decision. They've had to come to a point in their life where they admit their wrongdoings, repent, turn to Jesus. Okay, what am I? What am I? Come on. No, I'm not an elephant. I'm a 53-year-old pastor trying to imitate an elephant. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ladies, you're dating that guy. Oh, he's a Christian. <laughs> hmm. Really? I'm not an elephant. I'm a 53-year-old pastor trying to be an elephant. If you have faith, you're going to have fruit. What's fruit? Fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says. The book of Galatians will have the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace and all those things, supernatural, 100% certified organic fruit will produce in our lives. You see the genius of God? Can you imagine being joined together with someone where you could not share that which was most precious to you? Then family, family. Is this person the right they, the person you're dating, the person who will be your mate, are they a part of a local church? The local church is the body of Christ. Are they a part of that? Are they serving? Are they sowing? Are they sharing? Are they involved? And then, of course, you get married, you're going to have kids. Most people do. Can you imagine one person operating off one set of plans, and you got the other person operating off another set of plans. You got one person using this language and saying, well, just make up your own mind about spiritual things. And there you're saying this and saying that, and like, whatever you want to do, no real discipline, just, just, just go for it. And, and I'll just sit down when you're a toddler and, and reason with you in your little playpen. Kind of do the Dr. Spock thing. And over here, you got someone going, no, 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 no. We've got to have discipline. We have got to understand what it means to be a parent. We've got to be involved in the church. We've got to be immersed in the church. Our kids, yeah, when they're under our roof, they don't have a choice. They're going to church. Can you imagine being hooked up with someone where you don't have this operative? So I think Jesus would say, Christian, you got to find the right they in your life. you got to invite a lot of people out of your life. you got to delete a lot of contacts. you gotta, you got to move away from people. If not, you've been a pigsty. And many times, people never get out of the pigsty. They die in the pigsty. I think another thing that Jesus might say to Christian would be, get help. Get help. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. 
My family and I, we've benefited greatly from Christian counseling. I'm not shy to admit that. I've got blind spots. So do you. And a great biblical counselor will point those out and help you with that. Christian, you need several years of counseling. This whole thing is taking place in Seattle. Jesus would probably say, Christian, and I have a great church for you in Seattle. There's a great one just for you. Get involved, man. Seek biblical counseling. And here's what happens to a lot of us. We'll go to biblical counseling, and we're like, oh, man, I don't, I don't like her. I don't like him. I, I'm, I'm not going back. You know why we say that? Conviction. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted. So get help. Many of you need Christian counseling. You're dating, go to Christian counseling. You're married, go to Christian counseling. You've been married for 33 years, go to Christian counseling. I believe that's what Jesus would say to Christian Gray. And hopefully Anna will be listening as well. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are going, hey, man, it's Jed. This is just a book, my brother. It's just a book. I mean, come on. Fifty Shades of Grey, it's just a book. Just a book. Just a book? Just a book? I hold in my hand the book. The book of life. I hold in my hand the book of marriage. I hold in my hand the book of power and money and sex. I hold in my hand the book of an amazing, abundant agenda that God has. I hold in my hand the book that'll teach you what repentance and faith and a clear conscience is all about. I hold in my hand the book that'll help you with parenting. I hold in my hand a book that'll teach you about friendships. I hold in my hand a book that'll teach you about life. It is the book, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That is the book for me. Remain on your feet, remain on your feet, remain on your feet. Because as I promised you, as I promised you, I'm gonna baptize this book. And this is not humorous, this is serious. This thing is all about perversion. But what I'm doing right now is an act of conversion. I'm gonna baptize it really good. Father, thank you for this message. May our lives never be the same because of it. May we carry forth your vision for our lives and may we understand the greatness that you have in store for every relationship here. We voice this prayer in Christ's holy name. Amen.
you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.